0: Fasten your seatbelt and get ready to revisit the world of radio and then pay a visit to the classroom on this week's episode. We begin with part two of my chat with Henderson native and broadcasting veteran Sam Yates. He's enjoying the Georgia coast in his retirement years these days, but boy was he productive before his retirement. And to prove it, he has an archive page featuring... Plenty of classic interviews he conducted with notable celebrities throughout his radio career, and you won't want to miss him. So be listening for details on how to access this page on Facebook, and later, it's another Exceptional Educator Spotlight. And this week, our featured teacher is Jody Pruden. She is an instructor at Apollo High School in Owensboro. She is my former homeroom teacher at Henderson County High School, and she was gracious enough to lend us some time to speak of her classroom experiences, gratifying achievements, and future plans. We've got an action-packed show, so let's not lollygag. It's episode 16, season 2 of Blabbin' in the Bluegrass. Let's do it to it! is not to waste. From Lawrenceville to Lawrenceburg to Lawrence County, nobody but nobody covers the bases like we do here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass, exploration and celebration of all things Kentucky. I'm Sam Moore. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard. Please remember that each and every week, from the Splendid Luxury Suite here at the North Quell Motel in Henderson, KY. Our goal is to make you a little more proud to be a Kentuckian by exploring the restaurants, state parks, musicians, local businesses, teachers. And I tell you, that list is growing steadily thanks to you and your great suggestions. And we got another great show on tap for you today. In fact, for the second week in a row, we are going to dive into the exciting world of radio broadcasting. And who better to do it with than Mr. Sam Yates? You may remember him from WING, WKDQ, a few stops in between. In the Henderson-Evansville area, he is quite the icon for certain. Now, the first part of my chat with Sam Happened last week, and if you missed it, I strongly urge you to go back and listen. It is certainly interesting and insightful, and today's portion of my visit with Sam Yates is equally interesting and insightful. As Sam shares with us the very first artist that he had the privilege of introducing on stage, he also tells us his favorite interview from the country music genre. We'll also get an explanation as to why country has always been Sam's favorite radio format. Plus, he passes along some friendly neighborhood advice to aspiring broadcasters and podcasters. Last but certainly not least, he recalls some rather unique moments that he spent working with another Henderson-Evansville area radio veteran that a lot of you are undoubtedly familiar with, Big Bill Love. They worked together for... A number of years and they shared a lot of time together and <laughs> made it count to say the least and if you want proof just stick around because uh, Sam Yates will detail some of those moments here shortly and after that we will visit the classroom a very special teacher today in our exceptional educator spotlight Jody Pruden who got to know me a little better than she'd like to admit probably I was her homeroom student. well one of her homeroom students for four years between fall 2002 and spring 2006. Here in Henderson County High School, of course, she teaches uh, psychology courses at Apollo High School now in Owensboro, and she's got quite an extensive resume under her belt. We will find out about that, as well as the accomplishments that give her the greatest sense of pride. She is quite a talent and quite an interview, Even if you're not experienced in the world of education, you're definitely going to appreciate what uh, Jody has to say and the the background that she speaks from. So don't miss a minute of that. Before we get to Jody, though, we're going to speak with Sam. And before we speak with Sam, I want to remind you that questions, comments, and uh, suggestions for the show, they're all deeply appreciated. And my email address is bluegrassblabbin.com at gmail.com, B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S, B-L-A-B-B-I-N, at gmail.com. Good, bad, or indifferent, I welcome all feedback. And you can also send this feedback to me via the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page, where all my previous episodes are posted. You can also stay up to date with additional information as it is presented throughout the week. Make comments, leave messages. I enjoy hearing from you via this forum as well. So with that, it's Bluegrass Brainbuster time. Each week, about this time, I try to rack your brain a little bit with some food for thought about our beloved Commonwealth. And pageants. Pageants are our theme for the week on the Bluegrass Brainbuster. And I want to know who was the first lucky lady to be crowned Miss America from the state of Kentucky. Again, who was the first lucky lady to be crowned Miss America from the state of Kentucky? You think on that while we listen to Sam and Jody, and we will have your answer in the program's final segment. And let's pick up the Sam Yates discussion where we left off last week as Sam shares with us the very first artist he had the pleasure of introducing on stage. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth crowd pleaser. Just out of curiosity, who was the first artist that you were ever privileged to introduce on stage at a concert, and what do you remember most? Uh, what stands out in your mind most about that experience?
1: That that would be John Anderson. Uh, uh, WYNG was getting ready to have its first anniversary. Uh, listener appreciation concert and the listener didn't have to pay a dime to get in we had a sponsor who who put up the money for the for the artist
0: oh totally free so, show
1: so at the time that we were putting this together john anderson had the number one record in the country with swinging
0: Swing and he had the number
1: number one album in the country with wild and blue mm. so he was he was the hot property and we got it and he, and he came to what used to be Vandenberg Auditorium, did two shows. Uh, all the air staff were, you know, wearing a black tie and tails and all that kind of thing, cowboy hats. Right. And uh, that, was, that was the first time. Yeah, He, he, he was the first. And uh, still love the guy. Still, still love how he sounds.
0: Oh, yeah. I never get tired of hearing to Keelan night.
1: That's it. That's the one. That is the one. I think I played that at the end of my show on KDQ in the afternoon, oh, at least two or three times a week.
0: Oh, how about that? So you were, <laughs> you were consistent, anyhow. I'm sure, I'm sure John Anderson appreciates it too.
1: Yeah, terrific, terrific guy.
0: Oh yeah, I've heard some of his interviews. He does sound like a <laughs> a fun guy to hang out with, indeed. Now, um, I know that. You've dabbled in several different formats, but country was always your favorite. So why don't you tell us why country music has always been first and foremost in your book when it comes to radio formats?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, 80s country and 90s country. uh, I like further back, but after about 2005, 2008, um, it was just changing too much to appeal to that. To that younger, uh, that younger demo, uh, Carrie Underwood backstage. I told her, I said, "Thank you, thank you for what you're doing." Yeah. And she said, "I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything." He said, "No, you you did. You got people in their twenties and in their teens listening to this this music. Jesus, take the take the wheel. Uh, appeals to a mass crossover uh, audience.
0: Indeed, it so, does."
1: And she did she did a good thing, but then a few years later country music started sounding too pop. Right. Too too rap. Too and there's nothing wrong with any of that. But it's just um it's just not the country that I love.
0: No. <laughs> I think a lot of people would would agree with you there. Now that was um that was a show that Carrie Underwood did at uh, Roberts, I assume, when you met her. Right, right, yeah. That's yeah, she
1: was she was fantastic, and, and she she's earned everything that she's uh, achieved because of, she's just a, a great talent. And um, oh and, yeah, uh, even even she started going a little more toward pop in some in some ways, but that's that's what they're doing now.
0: Yeah, that seems to be the <laughs> the new trend. So you, <laughs> you know, it it is what it is. Now,
1: but I also have a I got a 34 year old daughter in law who who loves Johnny Cash. She loves oh. Johnny Cash, and um, that you know that does a lot for me. She loves Loretta Lynn, Coal Miner's Daughter. It's her favorite favorite movie, my son's favorite movie, Coal Miner's Daughter. And oh my gosh, bringing Loretta Lynn out on stage one night. At uh, what do they call it now? The, the, uh, the, the well, how did they
0: Are they, uh, oh, what is it? The, uh, <laughs> oh, National it's Events Denver
1: Class. An That's something else. But anyway, uh, out, out she comes and getting to spend a couple of minutes with her talking and then bringing her out. Uh, see, that she, she was my dad's favorite. So all I could do was think about, huh, oh, man, it's, See, if the old man could see me now, which in a way I'm, I'm sure he could.
0: No, oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely, he'd, he'd, be proud that you were uh, <laughs> digging some Loretta Lynn. Now, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> let's see. This is uh, this, this may be sort of a, a hard one for you. But if you had to choose a favorite country music artist interview of all that you did back in the day, which would it be? And what makes this particular interview your favorite?
1: I think it would probably have to be Randy Travis because he had just had his first two hits and he was still scared and still young and still not sure uh, whether he was, whether his success was, was going to continue. And uh, boy, I mean, from 1986 all the way through the rest of the eighties, all the way through the 90s Oh yeah. um, uh, he, he just he owned it
0: yeah he... and, you know, <laughs>
1: unfortunately he's had some he's he's had some bad uh bad things come along uh, further down the road but uh there's there's no getting away from the fact that he was the one when george jones did that song who's gonna fill their shoes
0: oh uh, good one he d-
1: directly mentioned randy travis as being one of those one of those artists.
0: That's definitely deserving. I'm gonna to have to go back. I've heard that song a number of times, but I forget the mention of Randy Travis. So I'm gonna to have to go back. And, and- that was
1: another one. Uh, George Jones, even getting a quick hello and a handshake from from the possum. Uh, I mean, when my ma- my hand met his hand, uh, it felt like lightning struck. And <laughs> uh, George George Strait was another one. I got to introduce George Strait the last time he would play Robert Stadium in Evansville
0: oh that's cool uh,
1: oh my gosh (laughs) and like a like a bonehead i was trying to look cool and i put my (laughs) hand up like i was gonna give him a high five and then he stuck his hand down to give me a handshake, and I thought to myself, "Oh, man, shake his hand, shake his hand! Don't don't try to do a high five with George Strait. You don't do that with a cowboy for crying out loud."
0: Yeah, so <laughs> that
1: turned that turned out to be uh, it. Could have been real clumsy, but it's it smoothed out nicely. And George George is a, he's still a very very big supporter of country radio and country DJs. And
0: um, well, that, that's awesome.
1: Just another one of those moments, you know.
0: Absolutely, something you'll never forget. Now, what year was Torch Strait's last Robert Stadium show? Do you remember?
1: It's so when I was at KDQ, and probably around ninety, ninety-five, ninety-six, something like that. Because I left KDQ in ninety-seven to uh, to go elsewhere. So I think it was around then. And then shortly thereafter, Robert Stadium uh, was was no longer, and it—I mean, it's gone. It's you know, it's 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 a shame. It's no longer there. Right, the, a lot of shows. <laughs> the I force. saw Elvis in that stadium. I saw Elvis. I saw Sinatra in that stadium.
0: Oh, look at and, you. And,
1: and all of these country artists, of course, but a lot of rockers as well. And um, yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, it's gone.
0: The last Boy, uh, we
1: spent a lot of time out there.
0: Well, I did too. The last show that I saw at Robert Stadium was uh, Miranda Lambert. And oh,
1: and she, she's cuter than a speckled pup, I tell
0: you. I'm telling you, she's a she's a little ball of fire, but she is quite entertaining. She sure is. <laughs>
1: but she uh, but she is a very, very, ex, ex, I mean, an enormously talented la- lady, and um, she she got us a lot of good uh, listenership, uh, you know, back back when she was really happening.
0: Oh yeah, and <laughs> and she's still she's still out there lurking, so I'm sure she's still getting. <laughs> oh yeah, some I see listeners.
1: her videos from time to time.
0: Sure. Oh yeah, I bet you do. Now uh, a number of your years at uh, KDQ were spent with uh, another tri-state radio legend, Mister and in charge, Big Bill Love. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm not even going to try to impersonate him. I know I would fail miserably, but... Sergeant in charge, Yes, indeed. But uh, I-, I tell you, having listened to him for many years, I can't imagine there was ever a dull moment for anybody around him. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like for you to share with us your favorite Big Bill Love story during your time working with him.
1: Well, Bill and I were competitors, a long time ago. I was at WYNG. He was at WBKR. Right. We were both morning show competitors. Uh, He he had the Owensboro audience uh, sewn up, but, you know, we we had the Evansville, Southern Indiana, Southern Illinois, and Kentucky. So we we had that pretty much taken care of. But when I started working with him at KDQ, I mean, it was a blast from day one. And I always look forward to him coming into the studio and he bringing this, this big, Briefcase, and he'd drop it on the floor, and it sounded like it had a ton of bricks in it. <laughs> but but he he does a lot of other things on the side, and he's while he's doing his show, he's scheduling, you know, record hops and things like that. But uh, KDQ used to do every year at the beginning of the season at Holiday World and Splash and Safari. We'd go up there and do an entire day's broadcast from 6 a.m. until 7 p.m.
0: Oh, nonstop! We, we
1: we drag our big broadcast van up there, and we had a big stick that we put on top of it. Our engineer took care of us and made sure the signal quality was great. Right. And as soon as I got off the air at ten, uh, Bill took over. But Bill spent more time playing skee ball, which was just a few steps away from the from the broadcast van. So there were many times. <laughs> When the guy back at the station would throw it to him, the mic would come up, you'd hear and you know he'd be over there. So I'd grab the mic and say, Hi, this Sam, Dick Bill's busy playing skee ball right now. He'll be back to do the rest of his show later. Meantime, here's so and so. He's got bigger his.
0: fish to fry. <laughs>
1: yeah, he 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 loved that skee ball again. But here's the story that I love to share with everybody. Sure. Uh KDQ's broadcast vehicle was parked pretty close to that stage where Santa Claus would come out about two or three times and do a little story time with the kids. Kids would sit in the, in the seats, and he'd get up on stage, and he'd do his Santa Claus thing. Oh, well. Huh? Before Santa's first show, Santa walked down, and he saw our big orange extension cord plugged into an outlet there on his stage. And, and all of a sudden, we heard the station signal or the, the sound of the radio station not coming through the speakers. It just, it was gone. Oh. And Bill was on the air at that time and Bill turned around and he, he saw Santa Claus holding the end of that extension cord and Bill ran, Bill ran down the steps <laughs> to Santa Claus and he said, Santa? Santa? What the hell did you do? <laughs> and and there, there's families and kids and everybody are walking around and saying, Mommy, that man, that man just said something dirty to Santa Claus. And I tell you,
0: <laughs> with all those kids around,
1: <laughs> just hilarious but only he could get away with something like that because he was big bill love but yeah he did Santa oh, Claus didn't know what he did he just saw that plug and thought oh well i'm gonna unplug this and he, you know and by doing so he kind of uh, cut us off of our remote broadcast
0: <laughs> <laughs> right and then here all these parents are trying to explain to their kiddos now you're still not supposed to say what big bill just said <laughs>
1: that's right that's right big bill's not gonna get much for christmas this year So don't you. <laughs> Don't, don't you talk like him.
0: Yeah. I love well, I tell
1: that story. Everybody loves that story. I think it was Byron Douglas, uh, the weather guy at 14, Channel 14. He he fell over laughing in, in
0: pain. Oh, I can imagine. Because, you know, everybody knows Big Bill Love, and you, you would never think that Big Bill would go down there and cuss out Santa Claus. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard but to that's, picture.
1: <laughs> that's, that's just one of the many, many great memories I have of working with him.
0: Yeah, and uh, of course, he still does a classic country show on KDQ on Saturday mornings.
1: Sam, I think he's in his 53rd or 54th year of of doing this stuff.
0: That sounds and about right.
1: It, uh, the, the, they just won't let him go. You know, the, the, the station and the, and the listeners uh, they they just, they can't, they, they cannot have him on. He's got to have, he's got to be on the air somewhere, sometime. Yeah. If only once a week, he's got to be on the air, so. He's got to so be that,
0: heard. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
1: And nobody knows more about classic classic country music than Brother Love, who oh, was no. a whole rock and roll disc jockey, you
0: know. He, That's true. Back in the 70s, he did rock. Hard. Low battery. <laughs> you know how he came up with that name, Big Bill Love? uh how so I, I don't think I've heard he, this story
1: uh Jerry Lewis, in the Nutty professor, that character that he played, his name was Buddy love
0: oh and buddy love bill
1: bill told me that he just he just stole that name instead of buddy love, Bill Love because he kept his first name bill sure but big bill, big Bill love came from the Jerry Lewis nutty professor character.
0: And it just sort of clicked. <laughs>
1: and that's that's it. So there's some trivia now that gosh, maybe uh, people listening will find something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's... <laughs> hey, we're always looking for bluegrass brain busters around here. Now, uh, you're from Henderson. He is actually from Paintsville, I know.
1: Paintsville, Kentucky. Uh, <laughs>
0: he,
1: he worked at a radio station uh, that a guy named Nick Clooney also worked for. Nick Klein. And Nick would sometimes bring his little boy over, and uh, the little boy would sit in Big, Big Bill's lap. That little boy was George.
0: I figure George was related somewhere. <laughs>
1: yep, yep. That's, that's it. Nick clearly, uh you know, he had success in television as a game show host. I think you see him sometimes on these uh, public television nostalgia concert uh, shows or whatever.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. so Bill, Bill knew George Clooney before most anybody else did.
1: <laughs> little George Clooney sat on his on his lap.
0: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I knew there was a race and I asked you to be a guest on my show. So
1: <laughs> there's so many so many great stories and, and people and uh, you know'm I'm, I'm so ding dang proud of you. Uh, I remember the, the days when you were just a, a little guy. And uh, your your wonderful parents, uh, David, who I went to school with and loved loved him dearly, and Susie. Um, I, I'm going to say something about Susie, if I may.
0: Hey, you may. She may get the big head, but you can say it anyway.
1: She, uh, Sam. I don't think there was a a nicer, friendlier, classmate that I can think of than
0: than that lady well, uh, when yeah. we met for the first time she didn't know she didn't know who
1: i was i didn't know who she worked but i knew she was very accomplished in all of her activities in high school but she was just instantly the sweetest nicest person you'd ever want to meet on on god's green earth and well I love her dearly oh they're starting up a uh, Starting up a boat here at the, at the dock, so hopefully it's not blasting too loud there.
0: Okay, I think I back barely back hear now. it, but you're not you're not fighting or anything, so <laughs> you're uh, the...
1: they're not doing a remake of the Poseidon adventure or anything like that. So Oh I, shoot, uh, I had my hopes don't, up. Don't have to worry <laughs> worry about that. But uh, you know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned my Facebook page. I I gotta tell you in all honesty, it's not a public page or a fan page, but Anybody that wants to send a friend request, feel free to do so, and uh, uh, sooner or later I'll I'll get back to you.
0: There you go, and once but, um... <laughs>
1: but you're uh, you're on board, and, and so is uh, you're, you're, uh, what, that wonderful lady I just talked about, and for for a long time, uh, uh, David was as well.
0: Yes, indeed, he was proud to be a, a member as well. And why don't you expand a little more? We talked on uh, we talked a little bit about some of the interviews that are on there, but why don't you give us some more uh, little uh, teasers about what we can hear on the Sam Yates Archives page? Uh,
1: I would I would have to say this out of everybody uh, that I got to everybody I got to meet, uh, Dick Clark was probably the most. No, he was. The the most accommodating, thoughtful, friendly, willing to do anything for you kind of guy. He he and I became very very good friends. Uh, as a matter of fact, in 2002, I flew out to L.A. I, you know spent my own money, put myself up, but he took care of it the rest of the way. He gave me all access, uh, production credentials to the taping of the American Band's fiftieth anniversary special for ABC.
0: All right.
1: And it was done at the, I mean, I got to go places that the media people did. Entertainment Tonight, Extra Access, Hollywood, they didn't have, have, they didn't have the access that I had. So, it was three days, and I mean it was the biggest show I'd ever seen in my life. Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, Kiss, um, Oh, i can't even I can't even be, begin to list all of the artists
0: that's like but a who's it was, who uh, isn't it
1: uh passing in a civic auditorium, all the old bandstand regular dancers from the fifties sixties, seventies, and eighties uh, it was it was just ginormous, but a lot of that stuff is posted on there but he he and I had a genuine genuine friendship for about thirty five years and uh i oh, I miss great. him miss him terribly, and I still can't believe. That I, I got to have that association with, uh, with him. He was an extraordinary entertainment icon who had his hands in everything. Everything. You know, he, he at one time owned uh, most of the Krispy Kreme donut stores across the country.
0: Oh, did not know that. Uh,
1: that was just one of the things that he did. Most people only know him for, you know, playing the records, uh, Pyramid, bloopers and stuff. But he, he had his hands in so many other things that people didn't know about.
2: Right. And
1: he and his uh, lovely wife, Carrie, who I still keep in touch with. She loves the pictures of the grandkids and all that. But, uh, yeah, he, he was just probably, probably the, the highlight of everything in my career was my uh, association with him.
0: Well, like um, like you said, when I think of Dick Clark, I mainly think of Rock Roll and Remember and Dick Clark, New Year's Rock and Eve, but he did so much yeah. more.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. He, uh, he was really involved in a lot of other business business interests that had, had nothing to do with media or television or, or music. Uh, he was just the kind of guy that if somebody said, hey, you, know what, you, ought, to, you ought to invest in this, this, this is really going to take off you know, skyrocket. He he'd examine it. He'd see if there was something that he could could make money from, and if and if so, he he'd do it.
0: And um, <laughs> there you go. the
1: the the joy that he got from each day of his life was doing doing things that he'd never done before. He loved to explore uncharted waters. He loved getting up every day and doing something that he had no idea how to do, but he was by the end of the day, he somehow learned how to do it.
0: So he would find that's a, way, a good to, way
1: to live your life.: It is a great way to live
0: your life. <laughs> find a way to, to do what you want to do. Well, uh, Sam, I sure appreciate you taking some time away from the sand and salt water to join me today. and well, uh, I
1: miss back home, and um, the fact that this is going to be you know, back back that way, that means a lot.
0: Absolutely. Well, it meant a lot having you on here today. Now, before we let you go, one more thing I wanted to ask you. What advice would you offer to any aspiring broadcasters and or podcasters in our listening audience?
1: Well, Bob Barker gave me a great answer for that. He said, you know, if there's something you want to do, just just do it. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. And if it takes a year, two years, 10 years, 20 years, stick with it. Uh, but, you know, don't, don't let anything or anyone discourage you. Just do it because there's nothing better, <laughs> nothing better in life than doing the thing you love to do more than anything else and getting paid for it.
0: Exactly. And
1: um, that's, that's about it. A lot of people go into this business and about 30 minutes later they say, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think this is for me. But uh, you, I, I, had over forty-five years. A lot of unbelievable experiences happened to me. that I could never have imagined. Right. And uh, and uh, I didn't do didn't do too bad uh, as far as the paint was concerned
0: <laughs> Right. So um, you know, it, uh, it it was it was great and.
2: If I I could somehow magically spin it back around and do
1: it all over again, I'd do it all over
0: again. I don't blame you. (laughs) I think I I would, too, if I were in your shoes. And, by the way, I do miss Bob Barker, too. Price is right. I mean, Drew Carey's okay, but he's no Bob Barker.
1: He he does a good job. And uh, Wayne Brady does a good job on uh, Monty Hall's old show, Let's Make a Deal. But uh, the, the magic of both Barker and Monty Hall are uh, sorely missing, but the thing about those two shows is that it's the show that really makes it happen.
0: Right.
1: Uh, if if you're watching either one of those sh- shows and you're not into what's going on, give them three or four minutes and they'll be doing something entirely different. That's something else that Barker told. Me. He said, uh, you know, every in just in just a matter of minutes, it changes to another game or another situation. I, that, I think that's got a lot to do with it too.
0: Sure, and a lot of people, uh, a lot of people forget Bob Barker's sidekick Rod Roddy, but he was one of my favorites.
1: He uh, started out in radio up in, uh, I think, up in Pittsburgh. Oh, he was working. Uh, he worked at a station that a former boss of mine, the late Larry Aiken, former owner of WGBF. He uh, he worked with Rod Roddy uh, up there. It's. What the heck was the name of that station? It was a three-letter call letter station—KV, KVH, or KVG, or something
0: like that. But yeah, oh, uh-huh. Roddy
1: Roddy worked with him.
0: Come on down! Nobody does that yeah. like Rod did.
1: <laughs> yeah, Rod, Roddy, and of course Johnny Olson. And uh, oh my gosh, we could talk about this until the cows come home, Sam.
0: Oh, we could. We could. We, we should. We could make a whole entire episode on this subject alone <laughs> but <laughs> anyway but uh we'll we'll spare you that for now but folks send sam a request on his uh, sam yates archives page and uh, be sure to take in all that he's got for you there and uh, sam you've uh you've been great we've sure enjoyed talking to you and if you're brave enough i'd love to have you back on again sometime
1: we'll uh, we'll do it sam anytime you're ready and uh I'll be listening for more more blabbing in the bluegrass.
0: (laughs) Well, at least somebody will.
1: (laughs) 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 You keep you keep doing what you love to do. Keep up that passion, and uh, you you will go very far, my
0: friend. Well, I I appreciate that. Sam Yates thinks so, and that's all that matters. Well, (laughs) you got it. (laughs) You take care, and we'll do it again, sir. Hello,
1: everybody, back home. Love you.
0: And we love you too, Sam Yates. The man, the myth, the legend. Quite the talent he is, and even more of a gentleman. I don't think we're going to get his voice mixed up with anybody else's. It's no wonder he spent all those years voicing commercials in various markets, and his voice can still be heard on spots in the Henderson-Evansville area, even today. And again, if you missed last week's portion of our chat, By all means, you owe it to yourself to go back and check it out. You'll learn a great deal about the stations that were in Sam's ear as a child, his earliest mentors, the celebrities he was lucky enough to interview over the phone. I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's some good, good stuff there, and you'll be amazed at the people Sam was able to hobnob with. And if you'd like to hear some of these celebrity interviews, among other things, they are readily available of course, via the Sam Yates Archives Facebook page. As we mentioned, yes, it's private, but if you'll send Sam a request, he will add you ASAP, and you will have unlimited access to anything that has been and will be posted on this archives page. And I bet you can kill an afternoon perusing the Sam Yates Archives almost effortlessly. So... While you're sending Sam a request, let's feature an influential teacher with a wealth of classroom knowledge proudly employed by Owensboro's Apollo High School. Blatton in the Bluegrass proudly presents an exceptional educator. Well, today we have an exceptional educator who uh, holds quite a special spot in my heart. She was my homeroom teacher for four years of high school, all through between freshman and senior year. She also served as my abnormal psychology teacher, so she basically told me everything that was wrong with me, which is uh, quite an extensive list, but now she's a teacher in uh, Davis County. She teaches at Apollo High School specifically, and she's been there for a number of years. She's going to talk to us about her experience in the classroom and her most gratifying experiences, among other things, that maybe we can pry out of her. So let's put our hands together for Jody Pruden.
2: Well, thank you, Sam.
0: Jody, we have a massive audience in here, as you can tell.
2: (laughs) I do too. I'm sitting in an empty classroom with one student who was brave enough to Set with yeah, me through this.
0: Your so teacher's aid, good. which we need to give, we need to give Maylin some props. She's <laughs> your moral support. Jojo, my dog, is my moral support. She's sitting right behind me here on my bed.
2: Gotcha. And, what uh, kind of dog is it, Sam?
0: Uh, it's a Shih Tzu mix. Gotcha. And, uh, do you have any pets?
2: I do. I have um, I have a dog and a cat. I have a ninety pound dog named Elvis. Elvis, a ninety pound dog. <laughs> uh huh. And I have a um. Uh, a black cat named Mila but yeah i have I have a couple see uh, they're they're reed's animals they're not mine but they live with us so.
0: okay yeah Reed is her son by the way he's about to turn sixteen. I was just telling Jody that I remember when when Reed was born and now he's into dirt bikes and stuff and uh, does he play any sports
2: he doesn't really play sports uh, he's on an esports team, which is kind of a big deal right now. But he's on an esports team. Um, he's a good marksman. Um, he, uh, we have a marksman team here at Apollo. He goes okay. to uh, Apollo, and he goes to Sport Innovation Academy part time. So uh, he splits his day in half. But he's a really good marksman. He's a good kid, Sam. I'm real proud of him.
0: Well, I can imagine. There's, there's, there's so few of us good kids. But, oh, I know.
2: <laughs> you were exceptional.
0: Well, <laughs> were exceptional. now uh, tell us, Jodi, how exactly you discovered your passion and desire to become a teacher?
2: That's, when I read over the questions, um, that was kind of an interesting one. I don't know that I necessarily discovered it. I think it kind of discovered me. Okay, um, my sister was food service director for the Onesboro City Schools. And I used to be in and out of the schools all my life because I don't know if you remember this, but my sister is 21 years older than me. And so when I was little, she would have me in and out of the schools, going to the different lunch rooms. And so I was just used to being in the school system. Um, and then I got an associate's degree out on the Hill in human services. Right. And there was a job that came open at Owensboro High School and um, Sherry worked in the school system up here and um, it was the very first teacher's aide that they ever hired at Owensboro High School. I was hired as their teacher's aide in 1989. And um, I worked there for two years and I really liked the age group and I decided to go back and get my degree and, um, I went back and got my degree and went back to Owensboro high school and did my student teaching and, um, subbed there some. And then, um, yeah, that's how it started. Like go. I said, so, I, I was the first teachers I, at Owensboro.
0: So I know you, uh, I know you got a graduate degree from my alma mater Western and um,
2: I, I have two, I have a master's oh. and a rank one, both from Western, both from Western. Yes, sir. I spent quite a bit of money at Western.
0: There you go. So you're, you're a Hilltopper as well. Now, where'd you, uh, where'd you get your bachelor's?
2: I got my bachelor's at Brescia.
0: Okay. So you're a, you're a bear cat slash Hilltopper. Exactly. exactly. You and I
2: would recommend both schools. I think they're both fabulous.
0: Well, there you go. You, <laughs> that's a, a ringing endorsement for both of those institutions. I'm sure they exactly. greatly appreciate that. Now, um, I know that, um, you worked in middle school as a guidance counselor for a little while. We'll talk about that here shortly, but um, okay. explain what sparked your desire to work with students at the high school level as opposed to elementary or uh, middle school pupils.
2: Well, when I worked at Owensboro, um, like I said, I really enjoyed the students. And, you know, a lot of kids think that when you're in high school, you're an adult. And I was, the funny thing is, is I wasn't much older than those kids. But, um, they were just good kids. Kids are kids and they were just good kids. Um, and sometimes they needed somebody to listen to and sometimes they needed, um, some help with different things. And I liked the age group. They were just easy to contact or you know, get along with, easy to talk to for the most part, not all of them, but um, there's always
0: exceptions,
2: (laughs) but the difference between the high schoolers and the elementary, um, kids, um, really at the time I wasn't planning on being a parent and so I wasn't I wasn't really interested in um this sounds awful but I wasn't really interested in helping kids find loose teeth and (laughs) um, you know that kind of thing and so the older I've gotten the more I've become relaxed but loose teeth always freaked me out when I was little or when I was younger so um, I didn't necessarily have to worry about that at the high school level. No. And um, I like the subjects that I've taught. Like I, I really have a passion for the topics that I teach. So yeah. that gave me the opportunity to kind of share the wealth, I guess.
0: Right. Now, are you still teaching juniors and seniors primarily? I do.
2: I teach mostly juniors and seniors, um, and I still teach psych, uh, which I definitely have a passion for. And oh yeah, yeah. But you know the group that I have now, the seniors that I have now, it's kind of interesting. I had them as freshmen. So I had them as freshmen and now I have them as a senior. It's really cool to see how they've grown up and, and how they've matured and, you know, Are you sort you of watch them at the them very Yeah. You see them at the very beginning and then you see, see them at the, um, at the next stage, basically. Right. When I was in Henderson and I was your your home room teacher oh yeah you know that's the last time that i really had kids for four years like that until now and yeah. um this has been it, it's really a nice experience to see how how they do develop
0: oh i can imagine yeah but <laughs> they uh, give you a sense of pride knowing that you had a hand in that i'm sure now, days,
2: uh, yeah yeah most days actually <laughs>
0: Yeah, I hear you. Now, uh, talk about the mentors in your surroundings who helped you to adjust to teaching and perfect your craft early in your career.
2: I was very blessed to have some really good people in my life. Um, Bruce Ferris was one. Um,
0: Remember him well.
2: Bruce was actually my sociology teacher in high school. Um, So I was able to work with him, Um, Paula Fowler, uh, which when I first had Paula Fowler, she was Miss Holiday, And then again, I was able to teach with her as well. And she had the best laugh ever. And she definitely put, I can remember her making sure that she copied everything and um, like if there was ever a kid in the newspaper, she made sure she copied it and laminated it for them and oh, gave it hilarious. to that kid. And I know that meant something to that child. You know, oh, yeah. it's all about the relationships. And then the biggest one was probably Johnny.
0: Johnny Mathias, yes, Mariana. Oh, yeah.
2: So um, when I was in ag at, at Henderson, there was I think three girls in the ag program and I was one of them. And I can remember him telling me, Jody, you really need to teach. You know, you really probably need to go on and be a teacher. Um, anyway, right. I thought the world of him.
0: Yeah, we lost him all too soon. I remember I was still in high school when he passed.
2: Yes, I, I can remember being, um, being very pregnant. <laughs> and, yes. y'all, and he passed away right before, he passed away in April. He passed away right around the time of the, the Masters. And um, I can remember sitting in class in, in your classroom, in your home room, and thinking, I've got to talk to these kids about Johnny. And him passing. Tell him what a, you
0: know, special person he was, yeah. Oh, he was awesome.
2: Yeah. He was awesome.
0: Yeah, and, um, you know, it's understandable to be a, a little emotional in that situation because he he meant a lot to a lot of people, so.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, and, you know, I still talk about him to this day, and I always tell the kids that he was the ultimate. Like, he, he always made sure he asked me how I was doing. And if I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing, he made sure that he, that he knew that I was, he was going to keep asking and he was going to stay on my butt until I did what I was supposed to do. So uh, he, <laughs> he was, was a good guy.
0: He was sort of like a second daddy to you. Yes, he
2: was. Yes, he was.
0: <laughs> now, your first year of uh, full-time teaching was what, 90? 90...
2: 97.
0: 97, okay.
2: But I was a teacher's aide for um, – Um, almost two years. So that counts towards my years.
0: Yes. Yeah, (laughs) that definitely counts. Being a teacher's Mm -hmm. aide is (laughs) definitely in that ballpark
2: for sure.
0: Now you've spent the, um, past few years at uh, Apollo high school in the Davis Mm -hmm. County school system. So why don't you tell us what have been your favorite parts of teaching at Apollo high school thus far? Uh,
2: that's a good question. Um, you know what I have found that, that kids are just kids and it doesn't matter what County you're in uh-huh. or, or what year you're in specifically. Um, they just want you to care about them. Oh yeah. And, absolutely. Um, Davis County. Um, I can honestly say that Apollo and they probably will not like me saying this, but Apollo was probably the closest to Henderson kids as I've ever found. Um, we have a huge ag department, um, we have a lot of kids that are from my neck of the woods. I'm from Spotsville. So we have a lot of kids from the West side of Davis County. Yeah. So I've been real, really um, impressed with a lot of kids just because it seems they seem like home kids to me. Um, Absolutely. They open the door for you Um, they, they ask how you're doing. They're just kids. They're just good, good people.
0: Well. Then,
2: um, the people I work with are really sweet and kind and, Um, and you know this last year has definitely been this last year and a half has definitely been challenging for all of us but um
0: you pulled through it together
2: yes and they're just good people here they really are right Um, they call us an eagle family and I truly believe that if I need anything they're more than willing to help and they know I am too so
0: and I know you did your student teaching as a as a red devil and you spent a little time at Davis County High too didn't you
2: I did just for, um, about six months. I did. I have good kids too. Um, I don't speak about Davis County very often here at Apollo. We tend to have a rival. Well, yeah,
0: I can understand that. It's
2: that, um, <laughs> pretty fierce, but, um, like I said, you know, for the most part, honestly, and it sounds like I'm blowing smoke, but honestly, kids are kids They're, and it doesn't matter if you're 1999 or 2010 or 2021. Yeah, they all just want the same thing.
0: Some things never change. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um, you've taught a variety of elective courses, uh, primarily in the areas of uh, psychology. And I know when I was in high school, you taught community involvement. Mm-hmm. so uh, I
2: love community involvement.
0: Yeah. yeah. I know that. I, a lot. Everybody I talked to enjoyed that class. Now, uh, I know that each of these classes hold a, a special spot in your in your heart. However. Jody Pruden, if you had to choose a favorite subject in your teaching resume, which one would it be and why?
2: Oh gosh, that's tricky. Um,
0: I know there were several different psychology classes, not just an mm all-in-one
2: psychology.
0: There was an abnormal one.
2: (laughs) Well, and I teach AP too, so um, I don't know. I I loved community involvement. Um, It was almost like a, a second I don't know how to describe this. It was almost like a, a second wave of of psychology and sociology. They were able to do something with the with the stuff that they'd learned. And I know a lot of my kids um, have actually ended up going in the field that they were that they were placed in their volunteer position at. Um, I have a lot of former um, students who ended up being teachers, and several who are actually in um, community service in Henderson, especially um, community s- Community involvement, it holds a special place. It was um, a class that I introduced, I brought to the to the um, site-based committee, and I actually created the class. Um, so I would say community involvement is probably my favorite just because it was my baby. How I had them you- everywhere. I had them at the State Park. I had them at Matthew 25, which is, which is um, um, an AIDS um agency that, that benefited people um, sure. in the, in the, in the tri-state, um, suffering from AIDS. Uh, I had them everywhere. I had them at um, Sandifer Center. I had them at different schools. They were everywhere. And it was such a pleasure um, to see how they, they benefited the community. We won several awards and it was a good program. I Maybe hope they still have it.
0: That's gratifying. Yeah, if they don't, they definitely should. Have you ever done community involvement at Davis or Apollo?
2: Now, um, we, don't have an, we don't have a lot of teachers um, to offer a lot of electives. So, um, right. we actually started a class last year that was going to be similar, but, um, but I think that the COVID hit and it was supposed to be a spring semester class. I don't know that they actually were able to, to get it rolling or not. Oh, um, gosh, and so. to, um, to be honest with you, I mean, it really is a good program. Oh,
0: absolutely. Gives the kids work experience and connections in the community. And that's, that's always a good thing. Now, um, the world of technology has um, moved quite fast for quite a while now. In fact, it's almost impossible for anyone, myself included, to keep pace with us. Now, I'm not saying you're old or anything, but (laughs) describe how the tools used to aid classroom instruction have uh, changed or evolved since you started teaching, Jody.
2: Well, I can remember sitting in my classroom in the 100 Hall in the green unit um, before, I believe before the blue unit was even built, um, and then bringing me a box with a computer in it and telling me if I could put it together, I could use it. (laughs) And that's kind of how they delivered our computers, our very first computers. Um, cause prior to that, I mean, I had an overhead projector and there was no computer and we had a red book that we would write our grades in. So, um, to say that it has grown leaps and folds is not an understatement. This last year has been such a learning curve for me. Um, the whole Google classroom meets and, um, camming and name it. There's a program for it and, a, and an app for it. Um, and I'm just, I'm so amazed at all the things that are available now compared to what it was when we first started, uh, yeah, or when man, I first just, started.
0: <laughs> just think if a, a pandemic of this nature would have happened back in 97, we would have never been as prepared for it.
2: <laughs> oh no, we would have shut down. Da- we would have had to be shut down, I believe. Oh, I, know. I, don't, <laughs> I don't know that we could have ever afforded the paper to give to people.
0: Exactly. So, um,
2: but yeah, it's changed quite a bit. Like I said, there is so much out there. Oh,
0: exactly. Um, I can't imagine having to put together a computer and now just thank gosh, there's a handful of computers in every classroom.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, we, all of my students have computers and, you know, I think the the biggest thing has been the internet and um, ours. I don't know if Henderson County has schools that have Wi-Fi on them, on their buses. I think they do. They do?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do.
2: Like, you know, one of the things that they started up here is, and I'm sure they're doing it in Henderson too then, um, where they take the buses and and just set them out in the different areas so the kids can have Wi-Fi. Um, that was a big deal during pan- the pandemic because not everybody had feasible Wi-Fi, especially the ones living out in the county. Oh, so, yeah,
0: those Wi-Fi hotspots.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, it like I said, to say that, that technology has not just completely um, improved
0: right. teaching,
2: um, and the, just the access to it—it, it, you know, that's an understatement.
0: Yeah, all the kids in Henderson County, K through twelve, have Chromebooks.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do too. We do too. <laughs>
0: yeah. My yep. um,
2: six-year or my seven-year-old great niece, she has a Chromebook, and um, it's hard to get her to sit still during during um, Chrome, Chrome days when she has to do virtual days. Oh, I'm um, sure it is. So I can't imagine being an elementary school teacher and working with kids on a Chromebook in virtual days. I, I applaud them. Yeah, I think that that would, that's an amazing thing.
0: That would take a special breed. It, you know, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't imagine you having a great niece, but with your sister being 21 years old. Exactly, <laughs> oh, Yeah, I've
2: got, she, I've got great nieces and great nephews. I'm pretty mm-hmm. fond of them if you can imagine.
0: Oh, no doubt. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And, and Reed's got some nice cousins to bond with. So Um,
2: yeah, if he can, if he can tolerate them, you know, he's 16, he doesn't tolerate a seven year old too well these days, but he's good with them.
0: There's an age gap there, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) at least he's got some good stories to tell from them. Now, um, not long ago, you spent several years serving as a guidance counselor at, uh, Henderson South Middle School, so uh, I did. if you would, why don't you talk a little bit about your time in this role, Jody, and share with us some of your most rewarding highlights from this experience.
2: Um, well, it's something I had always wanted to do and it really was an awesome experience. Um, the thing about guidance is you're not necessarily a teacher, you're not an administrator, but you truly, truly are there for the kids. Um, and, you know, keeping them safe and making sure that they get what they need. Um, it, sure. was, it, it was an honor. It truly was an honor to be there. Um,
0: now how long were you there exactly?
2: I was there for almost four years. And then um, I had a six-year-old that I was dropping off in the mornings at 6.30 in the morning and getting home way too late and decided that I needed something to um, – I needed to take care of my family. And that's, that's the only reason why I left. Um, But I really did, I honestly did consider it an honor. And um, it was really super cool to keep, um, or to see how, you know, how you could impact not just a kid, but you impacted their family. And, you know, a lot of times it was, it was the entire family and the entire family situation and helping with, um, it took a lot of. Um, The resources that I used in community involvement class, um, I was able to use a lot of resources there. I was able to, I think, and I hope I was able to help a lot of people. Um, Oh, I know you
0: are. Yeah. Um, It
2: it was an honor. It really was.
0: Absolutely. And not only were you like a... Sort of a middleman between the teacher or middle woman between the teachers and the parents. You were,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, sort of a a shelter to cry on when they needed it, and you also got to help with uh, class scheduling.
2: Exactly, and the thing about it is, is I knew, you know, I was coming from the high school level, so I kind of knew where they needed to be going, um, to get them, um, to get them set up for a successful high school career. So. It like I said, it was. I worked with some really awesome people. I worked with a lot of really cool kids, and I was really, really um, um, able to to get to know a lot of good families in Henderson, more so than I ever had been. It's a different it's it's a different capacity than teaching.
0: Yes, yeah, so it's a different realm, and it's definitely rewarding. Not that not that teaching isn't, but they both have their, their notable perks. So.
2: Exactly.
0: exactly. <laughs> now, speaking of uh, notable perks and rewarding experiences, in your 20-plus uh, years of teaching, well, almost 30, I guess if we want to count your uh, teacher's aid time, uh, yeah. what, what would you say has been your most uh, – gratifying experiences or accomplishments as a teacher?
2: Um, i tell you what I've had, I have been so blessed to have so many good kids and um, they've gone on to do really, really cool things um, like you. Um, I try. Thank you. Exactly. Well, <laughs> you've done fabulous. Um, you know, I have kids that are now, that are now teachers. I have lots of former students that I keep in contact with. I have kids that are now teachers. Um, I have kids, former kids, who are now in community service, police officers. They work um, in political realms in Henderson um, and up here as well. Um, it's really awesome to see people m- moving forward into the next, the next chapter. Uh, and I know I've said that a couple times as the next chapter, but it's it's almost like the ultimate pay it forward experience.
0: I was gonna say you, you probably get. You know, some of your former students who are now teachers uh, coming to you and contacting you for uh, advice for time from time to time, like how do I handle this or that or what have
2: you? Well, no, not necessarily. I think um, I, I mean I would o- I would offer advice, but oh, I, I know think you. a lot of times it's more um, a, almost like you're a comrade of theirs now, and you um, they've joined the forces kind of um, yeah
0: like <laughs> you know it's you, they're in the, the cohort of of teachers with you so to speak you know it's sort of
2: <laughs> but it's, um, it's really rare that I go to Henderson and I don't see a former student or you know what's cool about being up here now because I do live in Owensboro and um, it's rare that I go I don't go anywhere or that I, I'm misspeaking now it's rare I got- that I I, I go someplace and I don't see somebody I know. Um, so that's, that's a pretty awesome experience to know that you have influenced that many people. Um, the one person that I didn't mention earlier that probably impacted me too was, um, Dave Eatonson. Do you remember Dave Eatonson? I remember Brian
0: Eatonson. I don't remember Dave.
2: Well, Dave was my, um, can, he was my, um, Oh, when you do your student teaching and after you do your first year, you have to have a mentor teacher. And he was my mentor teacher. And um, he kept a book of every student that he ever taught. And he wrote their name down in it and anything in particular that, that stood out to him, he always would write in this book and he kept it from the day he started teaching. Um, That's neat. It really is. And, and I remember him saying, you know, how impactful this job is and what a steward we were to 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 pass it along basically you know it's not just 30 kids that I have in class today it's the thousands that I've taught over a lifetime um and you hope you always hope the best for them and you still see them as your kid and you still you know keep up with them the best you can
0: yeah pull for (laughs) them yeah
2: and um it's it's a pretty amazing experience. It really is. I'm, like I said, I've been very blessed.
0: Oh, sure. Indeed. Now, I wonder if Dave Edinson and Brian are related.
2: They are. Brian is, is Dave's son. Oh, okay. Um, All right. And Dave, Dave is married to a fabulous woman named Joe and Joe and my mama were best friends.
0: Were they now? Okay. They were. So, so, so you knew, uh, you knew Dave before he was your mentor. I
2: did. I'd, I've known Dave all my life.
0: So that, that made him an even better fit as a mentor for you. It
2: did. It was very. I was very. I was very honored that he was. He had the opportunity to do that. So yeah, it was indeed.
0: Cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um, as I've learned, um, instructors often remain actively involved in education well after they step aside from full-time teaching. So. Mm-hmm. Jody Pruden, how do you potentially see yourself passing the time during your retirement years?
2: Well, that's a good question. Um,
0: Have you had much time to think about it yet?
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, I've been thinking about it. (laughs) I would really like to um, possibly work for hospice and do some counseling with hospice and volunteering. Um, I would probably... Probably still like to sub some. I don't know about that. I think I might have to get myself a year or two off once I yeah, do. I wouldn't retire. blame you. <laughs> um, but I'd like to travel. Uh, Reeve will be graduating the same year that I can retire, so. Um, I
0: gotcha. That's neat. So you got two years left after this, I guess. Yes,
2: I guess it depends on where my kid ends up and what he ends up doing, and if you know if I've done a good job and he can move on and do his own thing, um, which I. I firmly expect him to. He's such a good kid. Right. Um, so, um I would like I said, I'd like to do a little bit more counseling. Um except now I'd like to do hospice that kind of counseling. Um and like I said, possibly sub. I don't know. I you might got... like to read a <laughs> bunch of books that I've I've got gathered up and hadn't had yeah. a chance to read yet.
0: You probably made a list of books you've been meaning to read for the past Four, five, six years, and
2: yeah, and play, I'd like to go places and travel, and you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I, I would too. Well, Jody Pruden, you've been a blast. I assume this is the first podcast interview that you've done.
2: How did you guess? <laughs> I mean, you yes, were great. It is, my, it is my, very, my very first.
0: Oh, get me right. Maybe not and,
2: my last, but my very first.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> no, I won't be your last. We'll have you on here again, but, okay. <laughs> but Sounds good. anyway, we, we've sure enjoyed it. Now, last but not least, before we let you go, what advice would you offer to our listeners who aspire to follow in your footsteps and become future educators? Oh
2: gosh, that's a tough one. Um. I don't want you to follow in anybody's footsteps. I want you to do your own thing. You do you. You know, there's that saying, "You do you," but you find your own. You seems like the only way to truly be happy is to find out what makes you happy. Find so your I calling, don't,
0: as they say.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want anybody following my footsteps because I'm, I'm far from perfect. But I just want you to just find whatever makes you happy, and you do, you do what makes you happy.
0: Well, I'm far from perfect, but I try to put on a good show whenever I talk to people like you. And
2: I think yeah. you're awesome. Man. I think you've always been awesome. I've well, always been a fan, even well, when I'm, before you had a show.
0: Well, hopefully, this will be your your most fun planning period of the week.
2: I think it probably is already. Yeah, yeah.
0: definitely. <laughs> we appreciate you giving us some time during your uh, your planning period. Now, how much how much more time left do you have in your planning? Oh, period?
2: I have about. Forty minutes. I still okay. have a little bit of time. We're on a block schedule, so so you good. got time
0: to get a drink and you know rest your rest your voice a little bit before exactly. you teach again. Exactly. Uh, gotcha. This has been a lot of fun, and we'll do it again sometime, Miss Jody Pruden.
2: Okay, I'll talk to you later. Saying bye.
0: There she is, Jody Pruden, making learning fun for the students in her class for twenty plus years. Now I must say. I was quite blessed to be surrounded by great teachers like Jody Pruden throughout most of my K-12 years and even on into college. However, I don't pretend to know all of the exceptional educators in our midst. Not even close. So I'm counting on you to nominate a special teacher who made a profound impact in your life for a potential spotlight on this show. Regardless of the age group they teach, the subjects they teach, Let me know about them. It's bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. And we will do our best to get these proud classroom leaders the honor and recognition they so rightfully deserve. And I mean to tell you, I had a blast chatting with Sam Yates before we talked with Jody Pruden today. Don't forget about the Sam Yates Archives Facebook page, featuring classic radio clips from his shows in the Henderson-Evansville area. And all you got to do is send him a request. Once he adds you, you will be in business. And happy listening in advance. I know that you're going to be pleasantly entertained with what you find on that archives page. So, before we put a capper on this week, it's hard to believe we're through episode 16 of season 2. Man, time flies when you're having fun. At least I'm having fun. I sure hope you are. But before we put this thing to bed, we have the answer to this week's bluegrass Brainbuster of the pageant theme. And I wanted to know who was the first lucky lady to be crowned Miss America from the state of Kentucky. Again, who was the first Miss America from the Commonwealth of Kentucky? As my dog frantically barks. The answer... Heather French Henry. She was Heather Renee French when she earned the title of Miss America back in 2000 from Mason County. She was not only the first person to be crowned Miss America from Kentucky, she was the first Miss America from the new millennium. That's right. The year was 2000. Heather Renee French who would later marry Lieutenant Governor Steve Henry. She was the state's very first And most recent, Miss America. Miss uh, Mallory Irvin from Union County made a nice run at it a few years ago, and she claimed, I think, second or third runner-up somewhere in there, which is to be commended as well. But your most recent Miss America was indeed Miss Heather French-Henry from Maysville. Well, she was born in Augusta, moved to Maysville as a young pup, and that's where she was when she uh, made her impressive miss america Rod. so we'll have another bluegrass brain buster for you of course next week you can uh, contact me between now and then at the aforementioned email address also do not forget about the blabbing in the bluegrass facebook page where you can catch up on previous episodes that you may have missed you can also stay up to date with information as it is presented at various times Throughout the course of the week, not to mention you can make comments, leave messages, and reach out to me via this avenue as well. So, between now and next time, you know what you got to do. Spring is in the air, Derby's not too far off, there's more than enough to blab about. So, keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep blabbing in this here bluegrass. Because we're blabbing, we're blabbing, blabbing in, in the, the bluegrass. Grass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.